Welcome to the Johannesburg Church of Christ podcast. In these podcasts, we seek to know Christ and to make him known to all nations and people. May this week's message transform your thinking in the likeness of Christ as you get to know him more. Morning to all of my brothers and sisters and friends in the Southern African churches. It is a joy to be invited to speak to you and I'm so grateful, so grateful for the bond that we share in Christ, though I don't know you personally, uh, by far the vast majority of you. Um, I and my wife, Helen, do respect and are so grateful for uh, Justin and Irene and all the ways that they serve you, as well as all of us around our Brotherhood of Churches. And by extension, you know, we're so grateful to all of you um, your faith and your courage and your love are well known and we're so grateful to you. And whenever we see South African disciples in the UK, which we do, they do keep coming. And, uh, and we are so, uh, so grateful for them as well and so encouraged by their faith and their heart as well. Uh, be turning your Bibles to Genesis 15. The title of our lesson today is Believe and Don't Give Up. Genesis 15 Believe and don't give up. Over here in the UK, God has blessed us tremendously. Um, it has been a difficult year, as for all of us around the world, with uh, lockdown and economic hardships and racial tensions and, you know, many personal struggles just for each individual, um, whether that be anxiety or, you know, grief at losing a loved one. Um, we've all shared in, in, in the hardship that 2020 has brought to us. And, and yet I praise God because many have been added to the church in, in the UK and in Ireland, many, many. And, uh, you know, we've also been very privileged and blessed to have taken up a collection for poor disciples around the world who have, who have gone through this and disciples have given generously, um, over here in the London church. And, um, and also, uh, we, were, we were able to raise a special contribution for churches in South Asia, as well as for, um, you know, a, a church planting here in the UK that we are sending at the end of the year to Cardiff in Wales. And uh, God willing, despite the, uh, the year of coronavirus, that will happen by the providence and will of God. And, you know, we all are experiencing what you too are, which is that God is refining us and he's building us up. As we go to Genesis 15, um, the background is that Abraham had won a battle against the king of Sodom and his allies. And uh, a man called Melchizedek appears on the scene. Um, he's, he's there to bless Abraham. And in the New Testament, we're told about how Melchizedek is a priest who foreshadows Jesus himself. And now we enter chapter 15. So let's read from verses 1 to 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Actually, he's called Abram at this point. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, 
but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed God, the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, in Genesis, God states his covenant with Abraham three times. Uh, the first is in chapter 12, the second is here in chapter 15, and the third is in chapter 17. And each time the covenant is stated, there are, uh, there are some differences. Now here, you know, as God introduces himself to Abraham in a vision, he declares, I am your shield, your very great reward. I am your shield comes after the words, do not be afraid. Abraham seemed to have been afraid of not having a son who would inherit his estate. You know, Abraham, probably the way he felt was, I've given up home and country for you, God. I've become a wandering pilgrim in a land not my own. And I did that at the age of 75. And God had promised to make him into a great nation back in chapter 12. But the years had gone by and still no child, let alone the hope of becoming a whole nation. And then God tells Abraham, I am your very great reward. And sometimes this is translated, your reward shall be very great. I am your very great reward or your reward shall be very great. Both of these translations are helpful to us because the greatest of our rewards, our rewards are great in God, and the greatest of our rewards is God himself. Not anything that he gives us, but that relationship with God himself. Abraham, he had been blessed abundantly by God. God had given him increasing flocks and increasing herds and increasing wealth. But Abraham had also had all stability taken away from him. He had left Ur of the Chaldees. At that time, um, archaeologists now um, understand that that was a high point of civilization. There were, there were roads within a grid. There were double-story brick houses. There was a sewage system. Ur of the Chaldees back then was a, a very civilized place. And, uh, but he, Abraham obeyed God. He became a wandering pilgrim. He lived in a tent. He did it all at the age of 75. God had promised him to give him children. In fact, to build him up into a nation. And that promise had kept Abraham going. God was going to fulfill that promise, Abraham encouraged himself by saying, perhaps. But along the way, Abraham was tested many times and he was forced to wait and to be patient and to learn to persevere. The lesson God was teaching him was, I am your shield, your very great reward. In other words, you know, I'm your protector and all your other rewards are in me. In other words, you must love me first, Abraham. And you must love me best, Abraham, in order to get everything else that is worthwhile. That was what God was teaching him. And that is what God will do anything, brothers and sisters and friends, to teach us in our lives. 
God wants us to understand that, that he himself is enough. You know, there's something about our hearts that forms attachments and that relies on other things. And God, God needs us to understand that we're designed to be people who, who, who rely on him. Okay, and, who, and, and for whom the relationship with him is first, foremost, and central to everything else and to well-being in our lives. And God wants us to understand that. You know, this is certainly a year, and I'm sure you've heard this preached many times already, but I'll say it again. This is a year when everything people rely on has been taken away from us. The ability to move around freely has been taken away from us. The ability to count on the economy working so that we can find work, that's been taken away from us. Um, the ability to know what we need to do to stay healthy, or at least to mostly know what we need to do to stay healthy, has been taken away from us. The ability to go and take a break somewhere, the ability to visit our families, and on and on and on and on and on. These have been taken away from us. And if you're a Christian today, God says to you, I am your shield, your very great reward. And my question to you is, is God enough for you? Is God enough for you? I became a Christian at the age of 22, all the way back in 1983. Yes, there were humans on earth in 1983. And, you know, um, as a young man, I was... Uh, um, I felt called to the full-time ministry, and I had grown up in um, a little bit in the U.S. and then mostly in Western Europe. And I was I was ready. I was ready. Not only ready. I was eager to give up that um, all that my parents had worked so hard for to give us a life here in in the West. I wanted to give it all up to go and plant a church in India, and and so you know so I did. But you know. Having, having given all that up, one of the things I really desired in my heart was a wife. And uh, um, out of, I had you know, several friends in the ministry and even, just, even not in the full-time ministry, but we became Christians together. And all of us who were around my age, everybody else got married, one after another after another, the brothers and the sisters. And, uh, you know, uh, I was the last one to remain single. And... Um, I mean, I fulfilled every role in a wedding apart from being the groom. I had been best man to some of my friends. You know, the two of the sisters, their dads had not shown up to their weddings. So I was father of the bride. I walked two of the sisters down the aisle to, you know, to their weddings. Um, I had conducted some weddings as minister to other, uh, other men and women in the church. You know... And I, I had had two uh, girlfriends, two relationships in the church that I was hoping would lead to marriage, but they did not. And I remember, you know, one day, um, shortly after the second relationship broke up, I remember being in Bangalore and walking around a lake. It was a, uh, an artificial lake uh, in the city. And I remember walking around it and praying. And um, I shed some tears. I was quite emotional. And um, I, was, I was expressing to God, you know, Lord, I gave up everything. I, I gave up all, you know, th that people work for to achieve. And I gave it up to come and preach the gospel in India. And, 
you know, all I wanted was a, was, a, was a life companion. But as I prayed and as I prayed, it became very clear to me that I was holding out for God to bless me in the way that I thought I should be blessed. And, you know, at, at that point, I, I realized very, very clearly I needed to give up this desire for a wife to God. My attitude needed to be not my will, but yours be done. I needed to accept that God was enough. I needed to rejoice in the salvation that God had given me. I needed to be faithful to the mission that he had given me. And I needed to not presume that things should be, you know, this way or that way. And I really had a heart of peace at that point. And I was able to go and devote myself to the work God had given me to do. And of course, in due time, at the right time, at God's time, God did bless me with the, the best wife for me. Uh, and, and that is Helen. And, uh, and you know, pray, praise God. But, you know, at that moment of prayer, whether God would have done that or not, I did feel that peace and surrender uh, in my heart. Friends, is God enough for you? You know, what is it in your life that you want so badly that it is stopping you from loving God with all your heart? What is it? It may be a relationship. It may be a dream career, you know, or university. It, it may be that you want something in the world around you to change, you know. What is it? What is it that, that so grips your heart that it keeps you from loving God with all your heart? Now, Abraham, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. See, God wasn't looking for Abraham to be sin, sinless, because that's not possible. God was looking for Abraham to be faithful. And because Abraham believed God and obeyed and, and, and went out on faith, God considered that to be righteousness. Listen, let me urge you, trust God with whatever is going on in your life. And trust God with whatever it is that you need help to be patient with or to persevere with. What is that in your life? Talk about it with somebody. And let's be encouraged. God doesn't want us to be perfect in the sense of being sinless. He wants us to be faithful. God sees us according to our faith and not according to our failures. And that's so encouraging. Point number two. God will fulfill. God will fulfill. Point one, God is enough. Point two, God will fulfill. Let's read verses 7 to 21. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain, that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and ill-treated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. 
and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the Wadi of Egypt, the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gilgashites, and Jebusites. Now, point two, God will fulfill. God tells Abraham that he, he brought him out of his homeland and would give him possession of the land he was standing on. And Abraham, he asks for confirmation. How would he know that this was true? I mean, what, you know, uh, as, I've, as I've already shared, what an amazing promise for someone who, who didn't even have a son. And then God and Abraham, they do a covenant. They do a, a holy agreement with each other, a, a kind of like a binding treaty with each other. Um, and the, the covenants, the way that it's done, it seems very, very strange today. But there were certain covenants that were done back in those days which had this, this format, and the format had a reason, even though, it, uh, you know, as they go through it, it looks a little bit gruesome, doesn't it? So what happened? Abraham, he, he got three animals and two birds. He cut the animals in half, but not the birds. Um, in Jeremiah 34, 18, there's a reference to this, this kind of uh, a treaty. There are also documents outside the Bible which refer to this, this kind of a treaty. And so what's the idea of this? Why? Why did Abraham do that? The idea of this kind of a treaty is that both the parties would, they, you know, they walk between the pieces of the animals. Okay, they, the, the animals were cut in half and they walk between the pieces. And symbolically, what they were saying was, um, you know, if I don't hold up my end of the treaty, then let what happens to the animals happen to me. You know, if I don't hold up my end of the treaty, let me be cut into pieces. That's what they were saying. They, they were showing their seriousness. And in other words, you didn't make this kind of a treaty unless you were deadly serious. That's what they were trying to say. You know, Another strange thing happens thereafter. Abraham is, you know, taking care of the animal pieces, shooing away the, the vultures, you know, that want to eat the carcasses. And in the evening, a blazing torch and a, a smoking fire pot, they appear as though in a vision and, 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 they, and they pass between the pieces. Um, in, why, why these symbols? Well, in the Bible, God's presence is, is often associated with fire and smoke. Um, he led the people of Israel in a pillar of fire in, in the book of, of Exodus. Um, when, when the Ten Commandments were given, fire and smoke uh, descended on Mount Sinai. Um, you know, Elijah was taken up in chariots of fire. In the New Testament, on the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire descended uh, on the disciples. And uh, so basically God 
God in, in, in symbols that, that Abraham understood, God walked between the pieces. Now, remember I said both parties walk between the pieces and finalize their treaty? So something really strange happens over here because only God walks between the pieces. He doesn't require Abraham to walk between the pieces. And so it's a very, very strange covenant. Basically, what's happening is that, that God is taking the obligations of himself and God is taking the obligations of Abraham upon himself. God is saying, I will fulfill this and only I will be held accountable to fulfill this. Very strange. I think a lot of, you know, before Jesus came, a lot of people didn't, they didn't understand exactly what was going on. But for us as Christians, we can understand it in Christ. See, God has always fulfilled his part in blessing us. But humans, including Abraham, always failed God. And so what did God do? Well, we know the story that Abraham didn't. God became human in Christ. Christ took the curse on himself on behalf of Abraham and all humans. So to speak, Christ was cut up in pieces. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, you know, God also tells Abraham that he would watch over his descendants, he would fulfill his promise to give them this land, but he also tells him, you know, along the way, there's going to be 400 years of slavery and mistreatment in another country. However, God says, um, you know, I will be the one. God says he would be the one. God reassures Abraham. He would be the one to lead the people into their trials and to lead them out of their trials. God would watch over and fulfill his promise. Are you studying the Bible today? You know, are you wondering why you're going through the trials that you're going through? Maybe economic hardship or illness or a relationship challenge of some kind. Um, I want to encourage you that, that I believe God is leading you to him. Are you visiting here for the first time? You know, let me urge you, study the Bible with us. Ask the person who brought you to study the Bible with you. Um, uh, you, you might as well, with the, the, there's, there's relatively few things that we're allowed to do. Uh, you can get online and, 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 and study the Bible. And it doesn't take that long to discover how to have a relationship with God. Um, you know, Christians, remember Christ. Remember Christ. You know, in Christ, God took the curse of sin and of death upon himself. Let's keep our eyes on Christ. It's our privilege to believe in him. But the, I think it's the, the letter to the Philippians that reminds us it's been granted not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Because God is making us like him. Perhaps you need to renew your relationship with God. You know, if you're here today and you've backed off from loving God and from serving God, um, confess to somebody today. Get it off your chest. Uh, tell another brother, tell another sister, and uh, focus again on having a great relationship with God and sharing your faith with others. Listen, let's not get locked down in our minds. 
You know, uh, we may have to socially distance for health reasons. But in our hearts, you know, we're not about isolation. We're not about social distancing. We're certainly not about spiritual distancing, you know, or maybe we can call it that. Um, and so let's reach out. Let's, let's encourage one another, but also let's do whatever we can within the law in your country, whichever country you're in. Let's do whatever we can to share our faith. You know, uh, maybe that means going through your old contacts one more time and giving them a call. You know, maybe that means going and reaching out to your neighbors with appropriate social distance. You know, um, uh, maybe you're able to go out and evangelize. And I know for us, as we've been coming out of lockdown, um, it feels strange to share your faith with a, with a face mask. But once you start, you get used to it. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's funny, people don't actually look at you as being very strange because these are strange times. You know, believe, believe and don't give up. That's my encouragement to you. Let's remember God is enough. And let's remember God will fulfill. God bless.